This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. I'm Steve Peasley, and on this program and podcast, I will be providing useful data and my unbiased perspective developed from more, from more than 50 years of investing experience. So my objective, my objective is to help you become a better investor. It's that simple. And to accomplish this, I have a mix of educational and actionable material to touch on today. And of course, your contributions in the form of questions and comments are always the main part of the podcast, the most important part, in my opinion. But before I talk about that or anything else about market performance and what happened today, I think we need to go ahead and listen to our first caller question. So let's go ahead and pick that up. Hi, Steve or Justin. I would like to get your take on waste management stock, WM, and looking to get some exposure in the industrial space. Looks like the stock's come down a little bit. I was wondering, A, what you thought of the company as a long-term hold, and B, if uh, you thought it was a a favorable outlook, what you thought a possible entry point would be. Thank you. Well, what's management? It's a garbage, garbage um, waste, you know, collector and distributor of garbage. I mean, it provides waste collection, disposable, recycling services in the United States and Canada. So it's one of the biggest ones. It's $64 billion in size. It's huge. Um... Let's see. It always has made money. It consistently makes money. Consistently has grown their earnings for many, many years. So it's a very solid company, okay? It's in the uh, pollution control sector. Uh, It's $158.13 stock. So $158. They're going to make $6.64 next year after making $5.95 this year. So that's a 12% jump after a 6% jump this year. These are earnings we're talking about. So that gives us a forward PE of 26, and the range is 20 to 36, the five-year range of the PE. So it's right in the middle. Return on equity is very healthy at 33%. It has pretty much, uh, you know, pretty substantial amount of debt, which, you know, is a little worrisome because, you know, they buy those big garbage trucks and, you know, they have to buy land that they have to put waste, you know, the waste man into. So they've got expenses, and they've got to finance some of this stuff. But they are a very profitable company. Management is very good at managing their assets. I mean, when you have a return of equity of 33%, that's pretty high. But, you know, they also have a high debt, so it kind of offsets that return of equity a bit. But I do like the company. It pays a 1.8% dividend. Uh, a good buy point for this company would probably be about 140. Oh, probably around the one. Let me let me make a let me pull up a different chart. 
A good buy point, yeah. About one high 140s, 150, like 148 to 152, somewhere in that range is your buy point. It's at 158 now. So uh, I would not be in a big rush to buy this company. Best time to buy these kind of companies is in a recession. Um, we don't have a recession. But I, I'm suggesting that people might start to gather a little bit of cash because I do think we're going to get a buying a buy opportunity. August has been not a very good money, a very good month for the market. It's been a down month for the market. So we've had a nice small pullback for the month of August. So we've got a lot of ground to cover in the next 45 minutes, everybody. Here's what I have planned today, time permitting, of course. Um, 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 I want to talk about Best Buy and Macy's and credit card usage. I think that's important. Uh, give us a little, I think, a little uh, uh, perspective on the future. Uh, also, want to talk about adjustable rate mortgages that seem to be coming back, and I do not like them. And Citi says we are going to have a copper boom by 2025. Copper. So I want to discuss those things if we can get to them. And um, I also want to talk about Bed, about Bed Bath & Beyond, shareholders left holding worthless stocks. It's trading, massive amounts of trading, and I don't understand it at all. People, people trading this stock don't know what they're doing. That's all I can think. Because there's no value here. They're, they're in chapter, they're in bankruptcy. And the stockholders are going to get zip, nothing, nada. And yet the stock is still trading. It's 23 cents or something. Anyways, we're going to be talking about that as well. Okay, uh, so that's on the agenda today. The market was up today, uh, 293, 293 points on the Dow, 239 points on the NASDAQ, and 64 points on the S&P 500. So I think, that, what, I think that's three days in a row, up days in a row. Uh, best three days we've had in August, that's for sure. So that's good. And we have voice bank questions to get to, uh, Gilead Sciences and Shark Ninja Inc. People have asked about that. And since it is Tuesday, I will also ask a new trivia question. You know, I like trivia questions. That's coming up on the halfway point of the podcast. And now let's talk about market. Well, I did already did that. So we already know what the market did today. Um, so... Have you heard about the Invest Talk Classroom series? I hope so. It is streaming now for free on our YouTube channel. The topic for Episode 5 is How to Invest in Recessionary Times. Now, it explores the question, what is a recession as compared with a financial crisis? And Justin Klein explains why it's important for investors to not paint every recession with a broad brush. So, search Invest Talk Classroom. Invest Talk Classroom with two T's in there, no spaces. And now my phone lines are open, waiting for your questions. 888 99Chart. Justin Klein talks about the KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. I want to remind you that this is a time where you probably need some guidance and you're tuning in to try to get our view of the markets and we only have an hour here, and, and sometimes the way I distill each day can be maybe not enough, maybe not enough time. And so our premium newsletter is a great tool for especially newer investors trying to learn some things. The KPP Financial Premium Newsletter 
comes to your mailbox every Saturday. Learn how to analyze the market, learn what the economic numbers mean, learn how to manage a portfolio, maybe get an idea of what are good companies to be at least looking at. Maybe you don't buy it today, but you should always have a watch list of companies that, hey, these are interesting, these have good businesses. And if they get the right price, maybe I should buy them. So our newsletter is a great tool for that. Subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Steve Beasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I have a question on a company, G-I-L-D. wanted to see what your opinion is. I have been a longtime holder, but I bought it at a higher price than it, what it is now. So just wondered, is it what the outlook is for the company and what your thoughts are? Thank you. Okay, this is Gilead Sciences uh, in the medical biomed biotech sector. Develops therapeutics to treat viral and fungal respiratory and, and cardiovascular diseases. Uh, it makes money. It's made money for a long, long time. Uh, in 2016, it made $11.57 a share. Next year, it's going to make $7.36. So, you know, that's a problem. They're, they're not, it's kind of stagnant as far as growth in their earnings. And sales are pretty much the same way. They have one quarter where they grow 5%, then a quarter they shrink 4%. You know, so it's like, you know, it's, it's having trouble getting out of it doing anything. The forward P.E., it's a $78 stock. The forward P.E. is like 12, which you would think, well, that's pretty reasonable. But no, look at the range. 7 to 14 is their P.E. range for the last five years. Return Return of equity is very healthy at 43%. Cash flow is still very good. Dividend is pretty stable, 3.8%, and they'll probably keep paying that. But you're not going to get too much capital appreciation because they don't have the growth. They're going to have some kind of catalyst to make it grow. I don't see it yet. I mean, I'd have to dig into it and really get into the to the, the nuts and bolts of the thing, I mean, of the company and what they're making and what's coming down the pike as far as the future prospects of growth. You need that for this to go any higher. If you don't have that, you don't have anything coming down the line that looks pretty – looks very promising – then you're never going to get this stock to go up past, you know, the the 98 range. It's just, it's going to be very difficult to get it above $90 a share. Gilead, G-I-L-D is a symbol. My focus point today looks at the story behind the question, when stocks become worthless, can investors gain a valuable lesson? Now, according to the NASDAQ data, more than 15 million transactions took place on August 16th in shares of a failing home retailer. And the company had already filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And we're talking about bed, bath, and beyond. That's what we're talking about. It's worthless, but people are still trading this stock. They think it's going to be worth something, and it's not. I mean, um, uh, the, the Overstock has purchased the name and they're probably going to change the name from Overstock to Bed Bath & Beyond. But, 
you know, shareholders, original shareholders of Bed Bath & Beyond, you're going to get stuck with nothing, and people are still buying and selling this stock. Makes absolutely no sense. They, you know, they act like there's some big, huge value to what's left of it in bankruptcy that they might get. And you, the shareholder, you have to remember, as a common shareholder, you're way in the back of the line of who gets what money for what assets are left. The bondholders are way ahead of you as a stockholder, and they have a lot more debt that needs to be paid off to to the bondholders than the value what's left of the company, if there is a value left to the company. I mean, they sold their name, Bed Bath & Beyond. I think they sold it for $21 million. Uh, they also sold another section of the company, Game, uh, uh, let's see, Baby, Bye Bye Baby Unit. They sold that for $15.5 million to Dream On Me, a different company. And that, 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 they don't have much assets. They don't have any assets worth anything after that. This is the lesson. Don't buy or trade in bankrupt companies. Makes no sense. They're bankrupt. You know, it makes no sense whatsoever. None. So don't waste your money on that. Okay? Don't. Best Buy and Macy's. You know, Best Buy came out with earnings, and they, they beat the numbers, and it looked okay. Macy's also did the same thing. That looked okay. Um, they beat expectations, even though year-over-year sales for Best Buy was down 7%. Same source, same store sales are down 6.2%. Uh, what's the problem? The problem here is, if you're digging into the numbers, is credit cards. Many, these two companies, Macy's and Best Buy, live on credit card sales, and those credit card sales are tanking. I mean, Best, uh, Best Buy's uh, even margins went up from 21 to 27%. That looks good. But credit card, credit card debt. Customers are not using the credit card and they're struggling to pay off pay that down. Why? Because of high high interest rates. I mean, credit card debt like you know the the, the interest rates like 30% plus People can't pay that, and they're not going to pay it. And that's, that means he's you – know, think about this, though, in the future. If the credit card is so expensive, if the consumer stops using that credit card, or it just slows down. They're not going to ever stop. That's not going to happen. But slows way down, that could happen. That affects the economy dramatically. And remember, the consumer is 66% of the economy. This is not a good sign for 2020. It's not. We have other signs of telling us, even though we've had some pretty, this has been a very good earnings season. It really has. Um, but we have signs saying the headwind is going to start being much more difficult. Much more difficult. And we don't know if the Fed's going to raise rates, lower rates. Are they still fighting yesterday's battles, inflation? I don't know. Looks like they are. Okay, we're headed into a break, everybody. Justin and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love taking live calls. So that's what we want. Our number never changes, and it never closes. It's Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is uh, Sunil from the Bay Area. Wanted to get your thoughts on Dark Ninja, ticker symbol Sierra Nancy, SN. It's a relatively smaller company, more of a growth stock. Recently went IPO in a unique way in July of this year. It seems to be doing pretty good in the kind of not so good consumer environment, market environment. So increased both its um, earnings per share and and the net revenue as well as sales year over year. This year uh, has very little debt. And so I wanted to see what you guys think about this ticker. If I wanted to start uh, a relatively small position to capture some of that growth in the coming years. Thank you for the time, and we'll wait for the answer on the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Have a good day. Bye. Well, I think you, uh, I think you, um, I think you found out what it needs to do to make a stock go higher, and that is grow. And that's where you have to, it's a small cap company, 4.8 million, so almost a mid-cap company. Shark Ninja, SN is the symbol, manufactures appliances in the cleaning, cooking, food preparation, home environment, and beauty categories. And it has eight to $900 million in sales a quarter, which is pretty healthy for a $4.8 billion company. So... I mean, it's almost a one-to-one ratio there, which is pretty healthy. I mean, we're talking about price-to-sales ratio. Um, uh, the dividend is about 14, and go looking forward, it's about 14. The range is 12 to 15, and it is in a category that's not very glamorous. It's just not something that attracts a lot of investor interest. Um, it has a good return on equity. It looks like it's well-managed. The, comp- the management owns 52% of the company. So they own quite a bit, and so they're probably pretty darn focused. It is a brand-new IPO. I mean, it's not even a year old. Uh, so we don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of data to look back on and see. But most recent quarter is a 22% growth. Quarter before that was six percent, but the four quarters before that was all shrinkage of growth, thirteen to seventeen percent per quarter. And, you know, and two years ago it was growing, growing about thirty, thirty-five percent a quarter. So this is my problem: is is the growth sustainable? What is the engines that help it grow? If you can identify those things, and they are, the company is going to grow significantly, twenty percent or more sales. I think is a pretty good price to buy it because it's a pretty well-run company from the numbers I see. Okay, and I like the fact that it's very little debt, manages owns over half the company. Those are really good positives, and it's not overvalued; it's fair valued right now. Okay, that's Shark Ninja. Okay, this is Invest Talk, and you know that I like to play two in a row if I can, whenever possible. So let's go ahead and do that. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey, Stephen, Justin. It's Kevin calling from La Crescenta, California. I'm trying to get your thoughts about owning a vacation properties. 
I've been looking in California, somewhere drivable, either down in San Diego or in the Oxnard area. And I'm having trouble seeing how it makes sense financially uh, from a financial standpoint to buy a property um, to put all that money in the down payment, end up paying uh, 7 or 8% on a loan. And versus when I could just take all that money and invest it, even if I was conserv- very conservative in treasuries and get 4 to 5% and use that money to take some nice vacations, trying to get your thoughts on vacation properties. Thank you uh, again for always hosting a great show. Well, I do like property in Southern California. It, it, you know, it's, it's in a, it always has a cycle, and interest rates are pretty high right now. And prices are pretty high right now, so it's very difficult in this environment that we're in to find a bargain. They're just, it's just bargains are far and few between these days here in Southern California. Even though there is a shortage of properties, they're still pretty darn expensive. Um, I would wait. I would wait for a recession. If you're going to buy properties, you know, there's always a cycle. California has a cycle about every 10 to 15 years up and down cycle for properties and we're pretty much at the peak this is not the time in my opinion to buy property wait till everybody doesn't like property and we're in a deep recession then you're talking okay buy some property especially when you can get a pretty good return on your money you know in a very safe way with you know five and six percent new treasuries kind of exposure so i don't know you know i think i'm getting five point something on a treasury, you know, short-term treasury money market fund even. So but just be careful. I, I think this is not a good time to do it. I do like the idea, though. I like the concept of properties as part of a portfolio. I do. Okay, it's Trivia Tuesday, so let's get to it. I think it's fair to say that some professions just naturally seem to be full of honest and ethical people. Doctors are a good example. But in the view of many people, some professions seem more likely to attract the near-do-wells among us. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question. Can you name nine professions with the most unethical people? I will supply the answer after the break. But now my phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? 
You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk alize quiz. 888-99-CHART, everybody. I, uh, be, I asked a trivia question before the break. And uh, can you name nine professions, nine, with the most unethical people? In a recent Gallup poll, more than 1,000 adults from all 50 states and Washington, D.C., were asked to name the professions they perceived as having the most honest and ethical workers. Well, as you can imagine, when you compile a survey list of the most ethical professions, some will end up at the bottom. So I should mention that the Gallup organization actually does, takes this, this survey every year, and these uh, these uh, these list of the most unethical people professions are a combination of the last two years, 2021, 2022. So based on the survey results, these are the professions that people think are least likely to have honest and ethical workers. Number one, lobbyists. Lobbyists. Okay, okay, I think that's pretty accurate. Number two, telemarketers. Okay, probably pretty accurate. Members of Congress is number three. Cars salespeople, number four. State office holders, number five. And then you have uh, also on the list of professionals with low ethics is business executives. TV reporters, advertising practitioners, and newspaper reporters. Hmm. So people don't believe what the reporters are telling them, either in writing or on TV. Find that interesting. Because, you know, I think everybody knowing knows that there's a lot of polarization going on politically. And so it depends on what you're listening to, what station gets polarized. So people don't believe either one, probably. Not sure what the, you know, that's very disappointing. Very disappointing. You hope to get facts from your TV and newspapers, but it's difficult to ferret those facts out. I mean, ferret them out fairly, because, you know, you can lie with statistics pretty easy. Okay, let's go to Stephen in Washington. Hi, Stephen. How you doing? How's it going, Steve? That's going well. I appreciate the call. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So I'm looking into Activision, Blizzard. Uh-huh. I'm interested in them because they have a deadline in October to come up with this bid for this deal to cross-play with, uh, I think, the UK, uh-huh. Microsoft. Right, right. Microsoft's trying to buy them. And, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and they're running. It's time to load up. Uh, well, let's look at Activision. I like Activision Blizzard all on its own, whether they buy them or don't buy them. Uh, they publish interactive entertainment software, prefer- peripheral products for consoles, handheld devices, PCs. They're in the computer software gaming industry. They've been around a long time. It's a big company, $72 billion. Uh, they make money. They've made very good money for over the years. They're going to make $3.94 to share this coming year. Uh, this year, 364. Last year, 258. So the growth rate is good. Uh, sales growth has been strong the last three quarters. The last four quarters before that, they were shrinking. Last three quarters, they're growing. So it's kind of a cyclical kind of thing, depending on the games that they come up with and the cycle of the gaming industry. You know, 
So return equity is a little low at 11%. Cash flow is a little low at $2.99. Debt is also low, which is very good. We like this, you know, we like hardly any debt, and they don't. Management owns 1%, and it's a $91 stock, going to make $3.94. So the P.E. ratio is right in the middle of its range. Uh, so it's not cheap, but that's probably because you know, the offer by Microsoft to buy it. If that deal falls, which it very likely will, uh, the stock price will come down. So I don't know if I would be loading, on it, loading up on it now. It's right up against resistance really close to $100, close to $100 a share, a lot of resistance there. Um, I just don't think it's cheap enough to buy yet. I think you need to get it at a nice down cycle. Long term, though, I think the company is a great company. So um, I have thumbs up on the company. I, I kind of like it. Okay, thanks for the call, Stephen. I appreciate it. Okay, um, ARMS. ARMS, adjustable rate mortgages. Those are those mortgages you buy... And, you know, uh, um, a house, and you get a mortgage that adjusts, starts off low, the interest rate starts off low, and adjusts upward. And the idea is, well, maybe you can refinance a lower rate later on a fixed basis. Or to me, it's it's a it's a it's a crapshoot. You don't know. And I think it's, I don't think it, most people buy arms because you can qualify at the lower interest rate, so they overspend and buy a bigger house than they really can afford. That's as simple as that. That's how I look at adjustable rate mortgages. 40% of Americans say they would get an arm. But man, that is a trap if I ever saw one. It's like a bait and switch kind of operation where, here, we'll track you here. Here, we can get you a 5% mortgage, and the rates are going for almost 7% now, but we can get you in at 5 but it will adjust up, you know, 1% next year, another percent the year after, and another percent the year after, or whatever deal that they're going to give you, and you get trapped, and pretty soon, next year or the year after, you have a mortgage you can't afford. And now what are you going to do? I think it's a trap. Adjustable rate mortgage. Adjustable rate mortgage, in my opinion, caused the recession in 1973-74 because people got involved with all these arms, you know, because it was cheap. You got into a property much less expensive uh, on a mortgage basis, and people overbought, and then all of a sudden the rates adjusted and they were adjusting up. People couldn't afford it until you had a housing crisis. That's what happens. And if and it doesn't happen right away. It takes a number of years for it to build to a crisis problem. So, but right now people are starting considering them, and I don't like it. I think it's a mistake. I really do. Okay, am I the only one who feels like summer is almost gone and moved pretty darn fast? We have two trading days left in August. Justin Klein and I have been telling you for a while that we're in a different market environment, a new market environment compared to 10 years ago, five years ago. It's different because interest rates are now very, very high. They spiked up in the last couple of years, and now you got to deal with what that does as far as earnings and 
what it does to real estate, what does it do to different types of asset classes. It's different. So you have to look at it differently. And some people have trouble changing their strategies or changing their thinking or fitting the strategy to the times that they're in. And if you're one of those people, we'd like to help you. KPP Financial, this is what we do. We help people with managing their portfolio. But if you just want help for us to take a look at it, try to ferret out where your risks are and tell you where they are and try to figure out what kind of risk that you really want to take and whether that is the risk level that you're at in your portfolio, we will do that. Okay? So we want to help you if you want to let us help you. You know, we try to remind people that, you know, we have a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, meaning that we provide unbiased guidance and we like to invest in the same things for ourselves as our clients. We have like five programs from very conservative to pretty risky, and we put all our money in, uh, divided into all those programs ourselves. So we buy and sell the same thing as for ourselves we do for our clients. So we only need about 10 minutes to take a look at your portfolio. We'll run it through our filters, and we'll tell you. You know, tell you it's not, you know, it's not a huge, uh, it's not a huge investment of your time. It's not. So give us a call. We'll take a look at your portfolio. We'll talk to you about it. And I think you'll find that we're pretty different people. And we're pretty straight shooters. We don't, you know, if we're not, if we're not the money managers for you or you don't want one, that's okay. We'll still help you. We want to help you. We'll do it. I have no problem with that. Okay. So give us a call, 888-99-CHART. Send us an email. Go to investtalk.com or kppfinancial.com. We'll help you. This is Invest Talk now with more than 55 million downloads, and we want to thank you for that. This call causes all because of you people. And we're going to have more answers for you coming up questions on some of the questions that you have, and that's going to be next. So hang on there. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download. Your participation makes it unique. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve, Justin. My name is Evelyn calling from KDOW. I was thinking of adding Coca-Cola Company to my portfolio, and I would appreciate it very much if you can suggest an entry point for this Coca-Cola company, and I'd be listening. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, Coca-Cola Company, KO is a symbol. If you don't know who Coca-Cola Company is, you live in a cave somewhere. Um, between 54 and $58 a share is a pretty darn good price. Um, it's at $60.50, so it's already getting very close to a good entry point now. You're not gonna be, it's never going to be perfect, uh, but I like around $55. I, I, I would give you maybe a 10% more correction. Uh, they pay a 3% dividend. They're very consistent in their earnings per share. They are a little expensive, but they always have been a little expensive. Five-year range is 18 to 22 on the P.E. ratio, and right now it's the forward P.E. is 22. 
So 18 to 29, I, I think, did I say 18 to 29 is the five-year range? And it's at 22 now. Turner equity is very, very healthy at 46%, but they do carry debt. They do, you know, that pushes that return of equity up. So their sales growth is ranges from 6 to maybe 12, 13% every quarter. And they've been doing that for a long time. So it's one of those companies, if you ever get a bargain, that's when you want to buy it. Of course, the COVID uh, collapse would have been a great time to buy it, which it got into the mid-30s, you know, then. Now it's $60.50. So I, I think I'd wait till it drops to the $55 area, somewhere in there. That would be a good entry point. Citigroup says we are going to have... A copper boom by 2025. 2025. So why is that? This is what they say. Um, um, uh, uh, Copper is a huge uh, part of the electric vehicle industry. And you know that's booming. And it's going to continue to do so. We're at a low in the economic cycle, especially for emerging markets, which use a lot of copper because they do a lot of construction. We're in a kind of a world worldwide recession, sort of. And if when we come out of that, there's going to be a huge demand for copper. China is going to probably come out with some big spending programs and probably building of some kind. That's usually what they go to. That's their go-to. So they think by 2025, the cycle for copper will be up, and they they describe copper as the new, the new energy industry, okay, like oil. Copper is the new energy, and they see that as going to be a big issue going forward. Now, copper in the last year or two hasn't done very well, really hasn't. But that doesn't stop them from recommending it going forward. You remember, you can't look backwards to investing. You look forward in investing. Now, of course, Citigroup could be wrong. You know, they don't, you know, these experts are so, so-called experts don't, are not always right. So don't, don't take that as a grain of sand. Do your own research. Think about it yourself. Figure out what you think is going to happen and make your own decisions here. And always, always, always make sure you diversify properly. Don't, don't, don't drop all your money in one company because you think copper is going to take off. That would be unwise. Let's squeeze one more question in here if we can. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Mike from Maine. I'm just calling to get your opinion on stock symbol DAC. I bought a position a little over six months ago. Is this a stock that I should continue to hold or would it be best to get out? Thanks for your input. Okay, this is Danios, D-A-N-A-O-S, Danios Corporation out of Greece, provides international seaborne transportation services to some of the world's largest liner companies, ocean liner companies. Uh, They're going to make $28.90 a share next year. It's a $67 stock, so you're looking at a 2PE the P.E. range is 1 to 9. Return equity is 31%. Pays a 4.5% dividend. Management owns half the company. These kind of companies are very speculative. 
they are, look they always look really cheap just before they go down. So don't think just because it's cheap, it's going to have a great run up. Not necessarily. You know what? It, be very careful. But there's nothing wrong with the company from what I can see. Okay. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here, everybody, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. That's our goal. And of course, the work will continue right after this break. So get your calls in. 888-99-CHART. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99Chart. Hi, Justin or Steve. This is Mike from Texas. I went through the last six months of podcast and haven't heard anything about Old Republic International, ticker ORI. I have a small position in the company. What are your thoughts on Old Republic being a cornerstone in my portfolio long term as one of the buy it and forget it stocks? Thank you for all your time and helping me learn and grow as an informed investor. I look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Well, I don't know about a buy it and forget it type of stock. Old Republic International is a offers property and uh, liability commercial insurance title and mortgage guarantee insurance. It's a $7.8 billion company. Uh, they have been very consistent making money. Uh, they're going to make $2.52 this year, but down $2.78 last year and three oh eight the year before. Next year, a little gain of $2.63. They pay a dividend, 3.6%, and that is pretty solid. Sales, though, have been shrinking almost for two years. Sales growth has been shrinking for every quarter for almost two years. Therefore, the stock is not overpriced. It's a, uh, Going forward is a 10 PE, 10, and the range is 7 to 18. So it's kind of on the low end of its range. Turn of equity is 13%. Uh, it's not an exciting company, but it is a very durable, long-lasting, will pay 3.8% dividend, Dividend has slowly increased over the years and will probably continue to do so. Very boring company. Mutual funds have been slowly selling it, but that's normal. They slowly sell or slowly you know, buy over time. Uh, it's just one of those old insurance companies that are boring that pays a nice dividend. That's how you hold it long enough, you'll make plenty of money, but not exciting. Not exciting whatsoever. So we're looking at the clock, and I can see that we probably have time for one more question. So let's get to it. 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Preet from the state of Washington. I was calling writing the ticker symbol AMN. Don't have a position in it yet, but thinking about starting one, I thought it would be a cheap defensive stock in this environment. Uh, Please let me know what you think, and thank you guys so much for the great show. Okay, this is uh, AMN Healthcare offers per permanent and temporary staffing of physicians and nurses to healthcare facilities in the United States. $3.3 billion company. Um, they've been, sales have been falling the last three quarters. I mean, the most recent quarter down 31%. That was the June quarter of 2023. Before that, March quarter down 27%. Before that, it was down 17%. 
in the December quarter of 2022. So before that, sales were growing very strong, up 30, 60, 70 percent per quarter. So it's one of those kind of companies that either does very well or not so good. P.E. ratio is pretty low, a 4P of 10, and the five-year range is 7 to 26. The thing I don't like about it is it does not pay a dividend. Okay, return on equity is very strong at 48%. Uh, management owns 1%. Mutual funds are slowly selling it. Um, and the funds own about 77% of the company, so they have a pretty big position in it. Not a lot of debt. Company's going to make $8.10 this year. That's 30% less than last year. Next year, $6.83. So that's down another 16%. For those reasons, I don't think I would be a buyer. Sales are shrinking. Earnings are shrinking. And it doesn't pay a dividend. Cash flow is very strong. But for me, I don't think I'd be a buyer of a company. I just don't think it's strong enough. Okay, so... That would be a no on AMN Healthcare. A-M-N. Okay, so remember we do have the KP Premium, KPP uh, Financial Premium Newsletter. Comes out every Friday. Actually, it comes out on Saturday. We finished writing it on Friday. So I, for me, it's like, okay, I'm done. We're done writing it on Friday. So I, But it doesn't come out till Saturday morning. So if you're interested, go to KPP Financial or investtalk.com, sign up for the newsletter. I think you'll find it a valuable asset to you. I really do. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You get your download anytime from iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you get it from iTunes, if you get the download from iTunes, we would appreciate a rating. You can rate us there. So please remember to do that. We would appreciate it. And remember to follow us on social media and be sure to like and tag us. That helps everyone in the Invest Talk community, including us. We will, we want, we're asking for your help. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, everybody. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.